0: podcast the podcast about linguistic discrimination i'm Megan figueroa and i'm carrie gillen carrie it was snowing here today
1: ah! i know that it's, is amazing it it's really pretty when it snows it doesn't stick but it's still beautiful when it comes down
0: sometimes it does stick but this wasn't one of those times but yeah yep snow in the desert I, jo- I enjoy when it snows, and actually there it's probably totally fine, because it's not going to mess that anything up, really. Right. The problem with snow is that here, especially in Vancouver, like we just don't have the infrastructure for it, so mm. it just shuts the entire city down.
1: Because you get proper snow. You get actual snow that sticks. It sticks.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't stick, then, then it's fine. It's like, it's like... And that happens, too. If it doesn't stick, it does nothing. It's fine. But when it sticks... <laughs> Yeah, It shuts, it like, it's like, what, three centimeters or something, like, Tiny. which is, like, like, basically an inch. Yeah. And it shut down the city. Really? Like, so the rest of Canada's mocks us, but we don't have the infrastructure. It's just, right. you know, anyway. You're not going to have, like, a million plows for the mi- week or so that it snows here. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. I'd, we'd have to worry about that if we ever got that much snow. That would be... We don't get that oh. much
0: snow. <laughs> you, yeah, you would, <laughs> would struggle. And yeah. then the other part that uh, I don't like is when it turns slushy and gross. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it gets dirty. It gets really dirty. But when dirty. it first falls, it's so pretty and it gets so quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so got another uh, article from uh, Diego Diaz, and this is about a name change in huh? for Powell River and Powell River is where it's in British Columbia um uh Powell River is um up the coast f- like um from Vancouver you have to get t- take at least i think you have to take two ferries to get there <laughs> okay. okay so it's a pretty small place okay so Powell River is considering maybe changing its name okay and the Na- the first nations they like that, their territory, they're called Tlaamin. And back in 2021, they agreed to ha- form a joint working group to start considering maybe changing the community's name. Okay. The community's name? Well, Powell River. Okay. Powell River is named after this dude named, called Israel Wood Powell. And he was BC's first Indian affairs superintendent. So you can understand oh, no. why Plaman Nation might want a different name. Yes. Right? I
1: absolutely 100% understand why they want a different name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they're they're trying to think of new names. And some counselor from Powell River has kind of made up a place name and he thought it probably sounded like it could be from this First Nations language, but it's not. So he says, uh, "Step one: Are you in favor of a name change? Yes or no? That's simple. You don't convolute it with Wakawana or whatever name comes out of tla, I mean, huh? So that's the the made up name. That's a made up name. It does not sound that much like a Salish language. Yeah, that would be Salish. Yeah, Salish. So." Yeah, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't sound Salish. It just sounds, yeah, like completely mocking. Yeah, why wouldn't you just have, oh, use the language of the community? Simple as that. Well, he doesn't, why would he? He's just saying, like, he could have, I guess, chosen a name that might have been put forward, although I don't know if any of the names have been put forward yet. Mm-hmm. He's just making something up because he's lazy. Yeah. And racist. Yeah. That, it seems like something
1: an American politician would do.
0: Oh well, we have we have those types here too. Yeah, especially small town BC. I oh my god, small town BC can be incredibly racist. Like really? some of the worst racism I've ever seen.
1: Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just always expect you all to be a little bit
0: better than us, but you're still just human. <laughs> We're all just humans, and um, our politics hasn't been completely warped yet, although. The conservative party is now run by, I, I, he's kind of a weenie, but he's also very dangerous. So like fascist um, adjacent. Um, yeah, but not fascist. Well, I just say that because he hasn't had, hasn't had power yet. So Sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. So what did the community, does the community have a wor- a name
0: that they want? I don't see anyone's in this particular article. I don't know actually. Let's see if I can find anything. I don't see anything. Well, okay, I I, I can't fa- find anything for the the town, but they changed uh, the the Powell River Regional District name to Catlet Regional District, and Khatlet okay. means people working together.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, And that's an actual word from the language of the community. Yes. 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 That's what, it seems so simple to me to do something like that. Yeah.
0: And and my guess is there is a place name, either right where Powell River is or nearby that could, could have like, that was used and could be um, reused now, but I don't actually know what it would be. So I don't know the, the Comox language is, it's related to Salish, but it's uh, just Squamish, I mean, but I don't know it that well, so I don't have any. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the place names w- what were there. Yeah, but my guess is that's what they're considering. <laughs> now instead, this jackass yeah. has to like kind of hijack the conversation with his
1: yeah with a fake word mm-hmm. that he thinks sounds indigenous or whatever. He's yeah, what an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just. You don't have to be that asshole. You don't have to be. You really, really don't.
0: I hope it works out for them, and that that asshole. Oh, it, it probably will. Yeah, I don't know. It probably will. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of work going on right now in BC uh, to try to meet the obligations of UNDRIP, the Un- United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous mm-hmm. Peoples. They're trying to change systems so you can actually use. Uh, the character the characters that are used in different indigenous languages, like the seven in squamish. So things are changing. Yeah, but there's still a- they're still jackasses.
1: There's still jackasses out there. And there always will be, unfortunately.
0: Right. We just gotta <laughs> try and sideline them as much as possible. Exactly. <laughs> Don't vote for jackasses. No. Yes. <laughs> 2024 <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> uh, well, we have a cool episode for you today. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I always enjoy talking about what what is what a xenoling, ling, language would look like. Yes, and we have some some really interesting points from our guest. Yes, so hope you enjoyed. <laughs> All right, we're really excited today to have Dr. Sherry Wells-Jensen, who is a professor in the Department of English and coordinator of the minor in linguistics at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Along with various aspects of issues pertaining to SETI or the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, her research interests include phonetics, braille, language preservation, TESOL, language creation, and disability studies. She serves on the board of Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence, or METI, And she's also the new Barack S. Bloomberg NASA slash Library of Congress Chair in Astrobiology, Exploration, and Scientific Innovation. But the reason why we have her here today is because she also wrote a chapter in the new book, Xenolinguistics, Towards the Science of Extraterrestrial Language. And the chapter is called Cognition, Sensory Input, and Linguistics, a Possible Language for Blind Aliens. So welcome. Yeah, welcome. So much fun to be here. I'm so excited.
1: Oh, we're so excited too. Yeah. Thank you for coming.
0: So the first question, why did you want to write this chapter?
2: (laughs) Oh, you know, the thing with doing Xenolinguistics, right, is all of it is fun. You don't wake up in the morning and go, "Ah, hell, I have to go. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Aliens. All of it's fun and all of it's a mystery. And every time I do anything in this field, it's a surprise to me sort of how it comes out. And the cool thing about xenolinguistics also is everything's on the table. There's nothing that you can't do because we have, in the terms of how many alien languages we actually have to study, exactly as far as I know, zero, right? So, right. <laughs> so it's not Polynesianist. And you're like, oh, I think I'll study this today. I'll study these existent verbs. We don't even, we have no idea, which is glorious. And the other thing about xenolinguistics, because we have an N of exactly zero languages, we can think about what linguistics is really good for and why other with it in the first place in kind of the barest most fundamental way right so one of the reasons we do linguistics is so that we can figure out how to be better human beings and be nicer to each other and figure out kind of trying to use the discipline that we have studied so hard to master in ways that will make the world better right and that's what linguistics I mean okay it is about alien when we get one but for now (laughs) and it's about what the possibilities are and then about sort of how can we think about language in ways that will improve our situation here on earth and so since there's all kinds of myths and nonsense about what blind humans are like it's kind of a doofer right I can think about what this language might be like if I get to You know, if there were such a language. And then I can also think about, well, and while I'm explaining that, can I also explain some other things? Can I also do a little reality checking about disability and blind people and language and all that kind of good stuff?
1: Yeah. So, along those lines, why did you want to write about blind aliens?
2: Okay. So, I'm a blind person. Partly because there's some cool possibilities. So, one of the things we try to do is you sort of set up like what you like, make a scenario. And then you run it and you go, well, what would the language be like? What would the language be like if you were an octopus, right? Would that change in any way? And so if you were a blind alien, you would probably want a language that's a little more information rich for communicating people since you can't go. So the first thing to eliminate is all this over there, over here, here, there all the dyke dicks that are nonsense and trash and are really not information at all. You know, all the time. It's over there. I'm like, okay, that means it's distant from you and from me, but that's all the information you've given me. Wouldn't it be cool if you could say it's over there and that would be some kind of information rich thing. Like you might incorporate into the diabetics how far ish or what direction ish, or if it's something you are touching, or if it's something the other person is touching, or if it's big and dangerous, or, you know, there's all kinds of in- extra information you could pack into those diabetics. We just don't. We presume people are going to just look over there and see what it is, right? But if you can't look over there and see what it is, then why not convey more information about it? If I know what it is and I want to tell you about it, you yeah, put it in the diptics. Why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, and some languages do more of that kind of information packing into diptics than English. But I still found it really interesting all the all the possibilities that you had thought of. That, of course, I mean, as a sighted person, would never even consider. Because, yeah, we do use visual information as much as we possibly can. And so we kind of don't have to consider these things. So I found that, that section really interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, why, why say what's apparent to both people, right? So reflected in our language is the fact that we only need one word as a dyke or two. Or, you know, if you're lucky, you get, you know, maybe four in a language, right? So kind of if you were studying our language from the alien perspective, you might think, oh, well, there's a lot of shared information going on here because they're not saying everything. And and why not? I mean, you want to make it you want to make your language as easy to use as possible. Right. So so there's no reason for me to say what I'm talking about over there, exactly how far or what shape it is or who used to own it or anything like that. Right. Because as soon as you direct the attention, then it's shared information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say there are languages with many, many more dialects than four. Like Blackfoot, yeah. it's hundreds. So, it's <laughs> hundreds. Are, wow. Yeah, yeah. There are languages that do use more information or stuff more information in. English is pretty impoverished, and and there's just, there are just certain things that I just wouldn't even have considered.
1: But Blackfoot, even with its hundreds of dialects, would it still be favoring the sighted? Yeah, with, probably, with the information probably. packing that is in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, almost certainly. Yes. Yeah. I'm like on my way right now to go Google Blackfoot Tactics because that sounds cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, what is it about xenolinguistics that allows us to think about language in a different way?
2: I think we get to start from zero, right? We get to add everything and we get to think about what about our what about our world is reflected in our language? And then if you had a different world, how would that change it? You also get to start thinking about the relationship between language and thought. And one of the sort of games you can play in Xenolinguistics is you sort of go through the design features of language and go, well, what if that one isn't? Or what if that one's twice? Or what if that one's more important? Because we've got this delightful N of zero, we can play in any way that we want to play. And it's a really good exercise in unthinking yourself. So I think everything I say could be wrong is a really good way to start a scientific investigation. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. How at the very end of your chapter, you're just like, all of this could be wrong. And it's just, it just made me chuckle. And I was like, yes, that's that's exactly the humility we should. all
1: have. All have we <laughs> should. But with all of this that could be wrong, you're still making educated guesses as a linguist, right? Yes.
2: Right. Because you've got to start somewhere. Right. And we don't want to be we don't know when we're going to get if we're getting a radio signal from another planet. It could be it could be happening right this very now. Right. Like right now. Right. Or maybe it won't happen at all. Right. So we just don't know. And so it makes sense to kind of get prepared. You know, let's let's think about it a little bit and let's get ready for the crushing blow to our egos when we can't understand it. (laughs) Right. Right. And let's get ready to let's get ready to play. Let's get ready to take all the assumptions that we have about what things are like and like blast them down one by one so that we can really try to solve a problem in a way that is useful. And because we're, we're trying to solve a problem that no one's ever solved before. Great. that's we, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start playing so that when we do get a language, if we ever do get a language, we're not just like, oh, my God, what's this? What do we do? Oh, no. It's not French. It's not Dutch. What is it? How can we? What do we know?
0: <laughs> you know, this is interesting because I brought this up yesterday with someone. She, this person asked me, "Oh, what did you think about Arrival?" And yeah, now I should ask you, what did you think yeah, about Arrival? Carrie, I-,
2: I was just thinking the exact same question. <laughs> <laughs> to get me, I am ready. Let's go. I loved it. I thought it was. I mean, the whole thing about how learning the language changed the way her brain worked. I mean, as far as I can tell, no, probably not. But I mean, the field work in there, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just sort of skip through the the weeks of making no progress and being wrong. I mean, they sort of made that part disappear. Yeah. Right. Because that's Which, like, I guess, movie message to
0: watch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I I also really loved it. I thought it was great. And yeah, of course it wouldn't really change the way we think, but I don't care because it is science science fiction. And like, it was an exploration of what if it happened, like what if that could happen to your brain? So.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's alien, right? I mean, that's my, that couldn't happen is probably a problem, right? So I should be a little more open-minded and go, well, I mean, what if it could happen? Exactly. It's way outside of my understanding of what language is like, but that's exactly, that's That's always what I say my point is, right? Is that we have to like forget. Not Mm -hmm. forget, but be willing to throw out any individual piece of what we know. It's all possible to burn down, right? We should be able to burn down any piece of it when it suddenly becomes useless to us.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's just such a a beautiful story too. Very, obviously very sad, but very beautiful. And I, I don't know, I really like it. And I also like the short story that it was based on too.
2: Yeah, well- I just love that movie so much. It is. I'm not a movie goer. I don't, you know, it's hard to convince me to get up and go to a movie, but I've, I own that one. I play it. That and Apollo 13 are my two like go-to movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really are a space geek. <laughs> yeah,
1: total space geek. Well, are there any sci-fi TV shows that you consume that you do for consume for research?
2: Oh, I'm a Trekkie. I can't help it. Okay, so. mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Mm-hmm. That I should have guessed.
2: <laughs> Actually, I got to I got to consult on one opposite one oh. episode. Oh, really? I almost died from joy. Right. Yeah. When I got like, it was amazing. They they wanted an alien language that was really, really alien. And so we tried. We did our best. But it was so amazing. It was so much fun. So I am I am hopelessly a Trekkie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I, I also love love Trek. that would have been my dream job actually to somehow work on star trek when when i was a teenager particularly but
2: i 12 year old me died really just (laughs) loaded it was so much fun i almost feel terrible
1: over here saying that i've never seen it what i know i know
0: how you've never seen
1: any trek ever? i've never seen any star trek ever how I do not know my parents were into it I just never my friends at the time different times in my lives weren't watching it at that time I don't know
2: (laughs) I just missed it isn't there some kind of linguist obligatory thing where you have to at least know some things about Klingon I mean don't Mm -hmm. we all have
1: that's true and yeah I I mean that's why I'm such a terrible linguist I'm just kidding (laughs) but I, I probably need to watch some Star Trek after this, maybe I will be so inspired. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's so much to consume. I don't even I know. Oh, boy. It actually seems <laughs> fairly overwhelming. <laughs> so besides Trek, are there any other shows, you know, linguistics in a way that makes sense to you?
2: Let's see. Uh, who has time for TV anymore, right? I don't. I read a lot of science fiction, but I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm very into the Becky Chambers books, the Wayfarer series. Oh, OK. There's a lot of really cool linguistics in her books. Also, there's a lot of gender positivity stuff and lots of disability positive stuff in her in her books. Oh, nice! Just people living together and it's kind of the it's kind of it's kind of got that Star Trek optimism, but with less less phasers and less things blow up, which is
0: nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, we kind of need some more optimism in our in our lives. We do Ooh, we definitely
1: do? <laughs> definitely.
0: So. How did you get interested in xenolinguistics in the first place?
2: Oh, my God. It's because, it's because I always wanted I wanted to be an astronomer when I was a kid. Mm. Oh. And I was quietly, you know, no one ever said, no, hello, you can't do that. But people are just kind of, you know, oh, we have to braille this math book for you. And that's kind of a pain in the ass. We're not really going to say that to you out loud, but I, I can read the room, right? Blind kid, a blind girl. Growing up in kind of rural Michigan, people are like, "It's nice that you're smart, but how about psychology? You know, how about something that's hmm. not too sciency? That's a lot of work for everybody else." And so I kind of put it on the back burner, not worried about it. And when I got my uh, tenure track job at Bowling Green, my department chair came into my office, and I was like, "Oh, that's the chair! You know, you know how you are when you're so excited, so anxious to, you know, not direct wreck stuff, right?" Just And so he said, well, what would you like to teach this summer, your first summer on your job? And I said, I would like to teach a class about alien languages, thinking, you know, astronomy, linguistics. And instead of saying, instead of laughing, like I thought he would, he said, "Okay." And I was like, oh, shit. So then (laughs) I had to prepare the class, which was huge fun. And then you can do if you're a linguist, right, you can do things like how would I design a radio signal? How would I make a code? that could be understandable when you don't share any language or any experience or like the heck with the blind aliens, you don't even have the same world, right? You just have a radio signal. How would you make that understandable to aliens? And so I, that stuff. And then the rest is like this weird magical realism fantasy. that happened to me, I guess.
1: <laughs> and is that what you spend most of your time on these days is xenolinguistics?
2: No, not really. Well, actually I do. I get to do more astrobiology stuff now. Uh, yes ability and space so one of the claims in the SETI literature that I read frequently was that any race capable of technology and building a radio telescope would have definitely some analog of human visual perception and I'm like WTF friends no blind aliens so I started on this path and then I also started thinking about well what if you were real human what about disabled humans could we go to space and how do you, what would you do if you get halfway to Mars and somebody acquires a disability, someone gets hurt or something? Mm-hmm. Right. So what I do mostly now, I get to do cool astrobiology things. I'm very lucky. That's really cool. Like, yeah. what what is astrobiology? Like, what are you doing? What am I doing? I think depending on who I'm talking to, I will say things like I do human factors in space exploration, right? How, if, and why, and when to modify the designs of spacecraft so that disabled people can get up into space and use them. Mm-hmm. So I write and talk and lecture about that. I do things about particularly, cause I, I really like my blind aliens. My friend uh, Josh Muley says that the word for blind alien, that we must call them the Brailians. <laughs> oh i love it yeah
0: <laughs> that's really cool <laughs> yeah
2: it's a little bit silly but then i just have to get over it music it so it's really good so like <laughs> what would their course of science be like if you if human science started with astronomy medicine and math right Brailleans aren't even gonna know their stars it's just not even gonna be there and if there's mm-hmm. a moon they'd have to infer the presence of the moon by the tides i guess but why would they ever invent a moon i mean it Like, why would they do that? It would take a long time for them to figure out there was. And so what would would the development of their science be like? What would they do first? What would they do second if you're not going to watch the stars and sort of track their movements and you can't, once you throw a ball, you're not tracking the path of the ball through the air, right? So you're not. So what would you do? So that's another thing I do is I I talk about science, which makes me get to talk about access to STEM fields for all kinds of disabled kids. And that's a lot of fun. Very much noun phrases anymore, to be honest. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it sound like you do but that's okay because <laughs> you're doing other things in relation to linguistics and yeah and all of that you still get to have you still get to be a linguist at the same time
2: yes and I still do teach the noun phrases thing I mean you know you still have to teach <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> so what you're really doing is you're bringing disability studies into these areas that haven't really been like haven't really considered
2: these kind of questions of access before that's right I get to do all the fun things. I get to do language. I get to do outer space. I get to do a little bit of helping, a little bit of, you know, advocacy for STEM education for disabled kids. Tenure is a beautiful thing. That's what I've got to say, really. I get to do all these things because no one, no one anymore is, I'm not worried about getting tenure anymore, right? So I can, oh, I, right. I can yes. play. <laughs> yes. So what other considerations, you talked a little bit
0: about it, but like, so there's a, this blind alien, society that does a bunch of things differently so how how else would it affect language besides the dicks
2: so I mean the easy stuff is the stuff they wouldn't have right I mean I mean first off we have to we have to get not too worried about it because blind humans can talk to sighted humans mm-hmm. that usually go so we're not we're not worried and a blind person can learn the human language so we're talking about what if you untethered the blind speakers from the human from the sighted speakers right in which direction? things go so I mean if you think about problems that could use more help if you've ever tried to move a couch Mm -hmm. you know there's lots of gesturing and like take your end and you know the other end move it no not that way there's all kinds of horrible lack of communication that goes on yeah things like what about your what about like evidentials right so if I tell you something It might be super good to know if I know it because it's in my hand, if I know it because it was in my hand yesterday, if I know it because I'm, I know somebody else told me like, I feel like you could imagine a scenario where because I'm never looking at you, I don't have confirmation about your body and your place by looking, maybe I'm going to develop a larger set of evidentials so that I can communicate why I know these things. And maybe there's some issues about what kind of information is available to you and to me and how we know it that could use, I don't know, strengthening, clarification, more detail. Yeah,
1: because even with sighted people, I think that we, uh, you know, we can say that we saw something, but like, did we see it yesterday? Or, you know, there, there's still more clarification that could even be used for sighted people in this instance.
2: For sure. And it's not necessary, like none of it's necessary, right? You could, you could be able, you could have a blind society and they could speak English and everything would be fine. Um, But how, but the part of the purpose of, you know, explorations like this is, well, how could it be better though? What, what could I, what could we bring to it by flicking some levers and by changing a little bit of the scenario and then and then think, well, what would you really like to have? What would be nice? What would be fun to have? What would be useful?
1: Right. And do you consider this from the perspective of how you might communicate with other blind
2: people? Yeah, you know, but, so the thing is, maybe, but we'd all have to agree that we're just going to go off the rails and try new things. But I mean, yeah. you get a lot of people and you, the language is kind of indistinguishable from our own fellow sighted people, right? In, now, mm-hmm. You know, there's some lexical items that we might use that other people don't use. Like we can say things like people talk about like a T intersection, right? Which means one line coming together and intersecting or not intersecting, right? Stopping at a cross line. Right? Mm-hmm. But you can use the shapes of Braille dots and Braille letters. Oh. So like if I have my chairs in a G shape, that means it's a two by two matrix. It's a square of two. Mm. oh very cool like when 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 if i'm in a band and we're performing and we're a trio we might stand in the o shape which basically means a triangle two guys in front and one guy slightly back and so i don't have to say two guys in front and one guy slightly back i can say well they're standing in an o
0: wow wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) i never knew this this is so cool yeah and
2: so helpful to have that And like, it's not necessary, but like things like if you leave a six, so Braille is is a matrix of two by three dots, right? So if I have a six pack of of beverages in my refrigerator, they can say, well, is there any left? And I could say, well, there's an M of pop left, which means that there's three of them, but it tells you exactly which ones have been, have been used and which ones have not. Wow. God, (laughs) blowing my mind. Yeah necessary but it's
0: cool right it is, it is cool. yeah absolutely these are the things that like it, it feels like i'm missing out on something you know like <laughs> it's really great
2: look at the braille letter shapes and the braille contraction the, the braille shapes are super useful it's useful but only like in the subculture right? Right, right right
0: right yeah it's definitely not useful to me but i like but it still feels so cool and like so like, like i'm missing a piece of something you know
2: yeah. And I can say like, so I've got my chairs. Maybe I want to move the chairs. Right. And they're in a square like that. But I want I want to I want to move two of them back. And I could say, take those two back chairs and move each one and make a new parallel line. But I can just I could say that or I could just say, take that G and make it into an X. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so d- did you
1: implement any of this into when you were considering how blind aliens would speak to each other?
2: I mean, it's. That is like a, a, a small scale example, but you mm-hmm. could, you could blow that up. You could make it not just a two by three matrix. You could have words for configurations of objects in space that are much, like I have just one word for it. I particularly wish we had words for, I'm just thinking of this now, like words for configurations of chairs in like a, you know, there's a big room and there's all the, all the chairs. Like wouldn't it be nice if you had one word that meant, oh, there's three blocks of chairs and two aisles down the middle. Like, why do we have to say all that? I'm tired. Like, yeah. can't tired. Can't I just have one?
1: I think about that all the time, how it would be nice to have one word for this scramble of words that I have to say to explain one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're making your own language or thinking about alien language, you can consider that, right? You can,
2: you can make one yeah. word for these things. You can, you could do anything you want because I mean, it's just an extension of what we can do. Right. But we just, we have some words that, that are specific like that, but we mostly we were we we're lacking a lot of cool words that we could have <laughs> yeah for sure true.
0: you also talk a little bit about how like there'd be things that exist in human languages because most humans are sighted that would be lacking in a language that blind aliens spoke do you want to talk a little bit about that
2: yeah there's just not very many of them but like and forgive me but they're replaceable with cooler things so we've got <laughs> like way the hell too many words for color but i mean because color If all these words were so wipe all those out, think of the brain space you'd say. Wipe all those color (laughs) words gone. Like replace them with qualities of sound or characteristics of echo. Oh word for the difference between the sound, like in my little studio here, which is a relatively small room, versus if I go out into the large room in the basement, that the the quality of the sound changes and you can tell you're in a larger room. Why do I have Mm. to go need one word for that? So Mm -hmm. Lots of lexical areas that are relatively undeveloped in human languages that you could just you could just expand all kinds of all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. it is analogous to how we've expanded on color as sighted people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Way too many. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. Shell
0: white versus, uh, I don't know, a different yeah. white. <laughs> Gallery white. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah the, the, like the brain space that you use to contain those things mm-hmm. yeah it's true right.
0: although I don't think I have used it as much as some other people because yeah they're definitely people who spend a lot more time thinking about color than I
2: do
1: yeah, yeah some artists designers mm-hmm. those <laughs> designers people. yeah
2: yeah all, I mean all kinds of shades and, and you know details that are sum upable in one word and that's nice that's nice for them I don't I'm not mad about it but I feel like I feel like we could do that in other domains too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned something about like different, the different instruments having different types of sounds, I was like, oh yeah, that is true. And we don't have a word for that at all. And why right. don't we? Cause like music is a pretty developed field and people do talk a lot about it, but like, this is something that's completely lacking.
2: It is good. But like we say it's a difference in timbre, but then beyond that, we're like, well, what difference?
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't and, even know. <laughs> and you have to be a musician to
1: kind of understand it when you talk about it that way. So would there be like some layperson way of of understanding those sounds? You don't have to be a musician to understand.
2: Yeah, can't have a word for that. I really wish I could. I want one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you could
0: invent one and see if it takes off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: to my interlinguistics class right let's invent a word and see how see if we can make it see if we can win right let's see if we can spread it and it lasts for it's funny I put it on the final exam and then it's over right yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so do you hope that your chapter you cited linguists are reading this would be more thoughtful about what it is to be blind and what that means
2: for the field that's that's always a little that's always in there a little bit for me is that I write the obligatory stuff that I think is slightly boring, but maybe the most helpful. You know, things like that blind kids learn language at the same rate as sighted kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. They so, do. You know, I think I think probably my, actually there's some really cool research about how even if you're congenitally blind and you've never seen color, your use of color terms in your language is indistinguishable from sighted people. Blind people never see red will still say red hot. Right. Uh-huh. And like and like still you can people will still use words like glisten and glimmer and all that kind of thing. People will still use them, even though you don't know. Maybe that's an empty lexical category for for some blind people. But like some of those words, I don't really I don't quite know what they mean, but I use them all the time. And I use them when I write like we we often use words that we don't know what they mean. Right. We just use them. It's true. (laughs) It's true. That is definitely true. (laughs) It's part of the equation. Right. You do kind of hope that we can kind of dispel some, some myths along the way and thinking about taking people on a little journey where we talk about how the blind people would do science and things like that. Maybe, 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 maybe next time I'm standing on a street corner, I will get less. Someone will go, Oh my, I read this one article about this blind aliens. And they were smelting metal. And that was really cool. <laughs> so maybe let that person be and figure they can cross the street without my interference, because I read about blind people smelting metal or, doing the uh, doing flying through space or doing all these other cool things. So maybe I could think twice before I before I underestimate the next disabled person I meet. I don't know. It's a dream. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a good dream. It's a nice dream. It's a very nice <laughs> dream. One worthy of having for sure.
2: So uh how does thinking
0: about alien languages help us understand human languages? I think you've touched on this a little bit, but I feel like we can talk a little bit more deeply about it.
2: I mean I think anytime you blast out of a system and try to look at it from another perspective it's helpful right and we but what is essential so we can talk about what's innate and we'll never solve well maybe we'll someday solve that problem i have no idea um but <laughs> know, what is innate and what is necessary is it just some kind of hierarchical structure that's necessary is that it is there just some kind of some kind of recursion that's necessary look like, what do we really have to have to have a language do we always have to have verbs? Do we always have to have nouns? Like what what can you get away with eliminating? Just to see if you could still build a language that way. And I think it's it's so it's always good to, to take things apart, right? And I think xenolinguistics is another is another impetus for what can I do without what can I take apart? Why did I make it this way in the first place? Is there a way of rethinking this? Which is always kind of
1: yeah. I don't think people think of language in that way. Like you can take it apart and put it back together and that kind of thing, like as if it were Legos or some other thing, but it is something that you can't do that with, especially in this kind of thinking, these thought exercises that you'd do with xenolinguistics.
2: You know, right. And then like, you can run different scenarios. So I ran a scenario with the blind aliens, but what if we had a three-armed alien? Like would that change anything? If you really left, if you really ran with, oh, they've got, their tripods right like would that influence would that necessarily influence anything It wouldn't have to but what if it did because you know the blind aliens could speak one of the human languages i mean because because we know that side of people's language it's all just our language right but if you coupled it and just let it run would being three i mean we would probably that whole left right front back thing would have to change
1: mm-hmm.
2: right yeah in some ways and again, maybe we would want to go, and I, I don't know. We'd want to go with some kind of different directional system, um, like some languages do, where you know it's use cardinal directions or something. But what if you had three arms? Would you? Would you, if you were a tripod? How would you orient yourself in space? And then how would you talk about that? Don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Me neither. But well, can yeah a fish. If you were swimming around, then you'd have to talk about up and down in different ways than we talk about up and down. Mm.
1: And it's so, I mean, we can only experience things from our own standpoint, I guess. It's nice to be reminded of other standpoints.
2: Well, if nothing else, on exercise, right? You play the game. With, with, yeah. Keep everything, but change one factor and then play it out and see where you get. See if you get anywhere cool. See if it makes a difference. See what, what comes of it. And I just think that that kind of intellectual humility where you're like, well, I don't really know what this is going to do, but let's, let's go play. Let's go try it. It's just in general, a good thing. I mean, because if you get the habit of doing that, then you could even do it with relationships. So like, what did you say? What did you mean? Oh, what if you meant this thing? Let's get in the habit of just exploring all the possibilities.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Mm -hmm. Me too. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) This intellectual humility we should all have. Is there a favorite constructed language for an alien species in our vast know. pop culture?
2: I mean, I have to like Klingon because you yeah. have to. Yeah. People who are um, the Klingonists, they're fun people. They're like, they like to go around and they just all seem like nice people to me. I don't know that I have another one that I like more than Klingon.
0: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Klingon's a <Yeah>. good choice.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's classic. <laughs> oh, so, I used to run. In my intro linguistics, I used to make people invent languages. And so, like, I have some there that I really like. One kid made up the language that vending machines speak. Oh, that's amazing. He legit tried. This was so cool. He legit tried to listen to the noises because he decided it was going to be acoustic, right? He was going to have it be because they they can't really move in very many ways. But they do make lots of noises. So he, like, legit tried Mm. to figure out what kinds of roars and thumps and moans and slidey noises, fricative-ish things and stop-ish things that the vending machines made. And then he tried to build around, like make those into words. It was really cool. Oh that's, amazing. My that's, that's so that's,
0: creative. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I taught, I taught constructed languages one time and the, the students were just so creative and I will never forget that class. It was my favorite.
2: So much fun. So, so- much fun. So much fun. Like
0: one of my students had created a language of the dead. And so everything had to be whispered.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. That's so Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: My favorite. So great. Another one of my favorite is someone made up a, a Dantean language, so then it's all about the you know the levels of hell, and so everything had oh to have my nine gosh. or nine, everything had to have nine. Everything's right. There was nine tenses. There was nine this. There were nine this for the. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my god, what a nerd! I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like, well, what can they talk about, and what can't they talk about? So any any word that had to do with hope or light or freedom was yeah. Not- it was really
1: fun. That was the taboo, right? The taboo <laughs> yeah. stuff that they couldn't talk about. I love it. Yeah. Would there be any taboo stuff for the blind aliens? Objects. Oh,
2: okay. I feel okay. So I've been thinking a lot about how how they would do science, like the sequence of science for sure, right? So you know maybe therm- thermodynamics before like the motion of objects in space, right? And then and then eventually when your technology gets pretty high. I think the differences kind of might disappear. You know, we get, our, we get our self-driving, we would get our self-driving cars, me as part of the blind, blind aliens. We would have the whole self-driving car thing done early. Like that would be, mm-hmm. but taboos. And I sort of feel like, I feel like misrepresentation. I feel like lying mm-hmm. to be a taboos. That would be a safety issue, right? Yeah. yeah. So, big hole in the middle of our, our brilliant town and you don't say it or you tell people it's in a different place or you know about it and you don't say like, I feel socioculturally, the other brilliance would have the right to eat you alive, right? Like, you can't lie. <laughs> yeah.
1: You got to be a good citizen, right? A good community member.
2: I mean, they don't have to be nice to each other, but I feel like lying would be taboo. Yeah. Tab- that makes yeah.
1: sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, huh. what a fun thing to think about. Yeah. So have you written about these Braillians and they're smelting and all this you talked about that so how, do you have like a whole set of papers on around this, this
2: I have a whole set of papers head around this for sure I wrote one that's still sort of struggling for a it's, it's in a book that hasn't come out yet but I have like I have this is my that's it's my favorite you know to give like him when wants me to come speak like can I tell you more about the, about the Braillians can we talk about Braillians and their science can we do that can yes. we talk talk about like yeah. smelting will use like that's the that's the thing I always want to talk to people about because yeah. so much fun and how like how would you do something super dangerous like smelting like how would you start that out how would you go from I got to keep I've got to keep this fire I got to you know once I get fire right I've got to keep it safe because you can't goof around and just make a sloppy fire right no. because get away from you so you've got to really super prepare your fire pit and then you know make sure it's all set before you put the fire in so you don't burn your village down mm-hmm. um, and at the yeah. same time the- necessarily need lamps in your house so there'd be less you know like like there'd be less Chicago fires right no one's going to kick over a lamp because you don't have lamp right mm-hmm. so you're not gonna- yeah <laughs> but you might burn down your house because you've got a fire in there for heat yes but you wouldn't have to have these super dangerous like people do this crazy ass thing where they carry open flame around you know mm-hmm. and if you don't have to do that then that makes your whole that makes your whole situation safer right mm-hmm. that's just true
0: things i would never have thought of <laughs> right yeah i love it this is such yeah, a fun so
1: exercise fun. yeah spanning my brain my mind <laughs> All of it,
2: all of both of the things. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing about it is it's not just this one direction, like this is the direction I went because why not? But like take any human factor and vary it. And then you've got a whole new scenario to play out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's a really worthwhile thought exercise for sure for all of us. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you would have loved to, you know, for us to have asked or something to bring up that you didn't get to bring up?
2: I mean, it's all for me, it's all about kind of making intellectual humility fun and about making our ability to go new places and, you know, think new thoughts and just to get in the habit of that. And I feel like once that's your habit, if it could ever become your habit, I don't know that it's my habit, but if it could become my habit, like I just we'd be nicer to each other, you know? you yeah. would be like, oh, what really was that? I think you can descend into a really dark place where you second guess yourself all the time in a bad way, but a little bit of healthy, oh wait, I could be wrong is probably probably good for us, right? Yes, it's oh, important. It's
0: <laughs> so important.
1: That's a lovely message to end on. Yeah. Think you Carrie? Yeah.
0: yeah. I thought it was really great. Thank you so much for yes. talking about your brilliance. I love it.
2: Thank you I so much. Them. I'm geek <laughs> and vocal.
0: <laughs> and we always say to our listeners one final message. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an don't, asshole. Don't be an. A- thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. you. The Vocal Fries Podcast is produced by me, Carrie Gillen, theme music by Nick Granum. You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Vocal Fries Pod. You can email us at vocalfriespod at gmail.com and our website is vocalfriespod.com.